Listeners, before we dive into our show today, I want to share something truly enlightening with you. A cozy spot in Midtown Toronto where the future of wellness isn't a pill or a potion, but something as simple and pure as light. I'm talking about the Toronto Light Therapy Clinic. And the best part is it's owned by an alumnus. And this is not just any clinic. We're talking about two fully furnished treatment rooms, each one a little oasis of calm right in the heart of the city. Imagine stepping into this space, ready to experience the transformative power of red light and infrared light therapy. They've got the latest gear to make sure you're getting the full body treatment. You didn't even know you needed. And the team is top notch. The certified staff at the clinic are committed to tailoring a wellness journey just for you, starting with a complimentary consultation. Whether you're seeking to rejuvenate your body, enhance your health, or simply bask in the glow of light therapy, they're there to guide you every step of the way. Remember, your comfort and transformation are their top priorities. I know it was when I was there. So visit torontolighttherapy.ca to book your session or learn more about their services. So why not embrace the radiant path to well-being? Give it a try, and I promise you'll see the light. essence of chaplaincy is God meeting with or being present with humanity and vice versa. It is ideally placed as an oasis of spiritual refreshment in what can often be a demanding and stressful world. Welcome back to The Bluff. And I think you know what we do here by now, but if four months without us have made you forget, here's a reminder. We do interviews with people in our community, current or former staff and alumni, to keep you up on all things Newman, past or present, to keep us all connected. I'm your host, Joe DeQuilla. I'm very happy to have a special guest on our first episode for this new season. She's the very first voice we hear in the morning and usually the last one before the end of day bell. And as chaplain, she works to ensure that the school remains centered in the teachings and example of Christ. Her commitment to faith development among our students is tireless. Uh, Well, I'm going to be really honest. Sometimes I do get a little tired. That is our guest, looking wide awake and well-rested today, our companion on this part of the journey together. Please welcome Elizabeth Wissick. Aside from your many years of service in education as school chaplain and religion teacher at Newman, you also have an adventurous side, participating in a pilgrimage to the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela in the northwest of Spain, an experience I am really looking forward to hearing about today, so... Thank you for being here on our show. Thank you for having me. You look like you're ready to go. So we're just going to dive right in. Many people may not know what the average week of a school chaplain is like. A science teacher teaches science. A math teacher teaches math. Music teaches music. It appears to be all in the name. 
But what does a school chaplain bring to the school and to school life that some people may not know by just hearing the word chaplaincy? It is not a word that comes naturally or what the job is. And to be quite honest, it it varies from day to day. And what I like about the chaplaincy program here at Newman is that it provides all staff and students with opportunities to really grow in their Catholic faith through experiences of prayer, sacrament, social action, and Catholic leadership. And what I really also like about chaplaincy is that it truly is a team approach because I do believe that every staff member, every teacher is actually called to provide a ministry of presence for the students to build community and to celebrate our faith, which we have been gifted with. Mm-hmm. And so forth, we also encourage students to see themselves as ministers to each other and to the broader community outside of school. And so, as I mentioned, it's kind of a collaborative effort with staff and administrators and students. And we all sort of contribute to this sense of Christian community and to live out our gospel values. Um, And I guess the main thing, especially now during this pandemic, is that chaplaincy is a ministry of presence to staff members, to students, and to parents, which basically means that the chaplaincy office is always open for people to drop in, to take a little bit of a break, and to sort of really speak about all their stresses of teenage life and school in general. And then we can also offer them spiritual direction and connect with other students, with other religious and spiritual resources in the community. And I think that's what it really means. We try to sort of instill gospel values. And I think that's something that we like to demonstrate with our students. We need to sort of allow them to have the gospel come through them, specifically with their actions. And even Pope Francis says that it's it's a challenge to love as radically as Jesus did and to defend the weak and the poor and to stand up for what is right and to celebrate life with hope and joy, even when times are maybe a little dark and bleak right now. And that's, I think, what chaplaincy is all about. My next question is a question I like to ask faith leaders, uh, religious teachers, um, because they have a unique perspective on the issue. It's common for adults of one generation to pass judgment on another. Uh, You know, the whole kids today aren't like they used to be, or kids these days lack this, kids today are such and such a thing, and so on. We've all heard it. In the context of religious or spiritual curiosity, is there a crisis of faith amongst our young people today? Or is the opposite true? I think the opposite is true. I think that students are exactly where they're supposed to be. One thing that St. John Henry Newman taught is that to live is to change, and to change often is to become more perfect. They just need to be open to the constant encounters that God is always providing us on this faith journey through the people that we meet those who touch our lives in the most profound ways, not only our students, you know, but ourselves as well as adults, we've been changed as a result of this pandemic. You know, what we've come to realize maybe is that the more connected we are through social media, through these Zoom meetings and so forth, has actually made us feel even more socially isolated and alone. And we need to find communion. We need to have community with each other and ultimately with, with God. So even though students may have had all this time with, material things with gadgets, TikTok videos. We really need to have that connection with each other because that's how God speaks to us is through other people. 
So we're all here on this pilgrimage here on Earth. I remember Cardinal Thomas Collins saying in his homily at our canonization mass for Newman that our life is like a runway. There can be some bumps along the way, but ultimately our destination is to be in communion with God. And students and all of us will stray from time to time. Is there a crisis of faith? I think no. We're exactly where we're all supposed to be. It's all part of the journey. The Bluff Podcast is produced and recorded for St. John Henry Newman Catholic Secondary School in Scarborough. Maybe you can describe your journey towards faith leadership. How did you get into chaplaincy? Teaching was not my first choice when I was deciding on university programs. It was actually to become a physiotherapist after I spent a summer at Sick Kids. Uh, working with patients in rehab. So when I wasn't accepted in the program, I continued with science courses. And as a breath requirement, I took religion courses. And it really was just by chance that I was at the university bookstore where people were recruiting students to participate in a mini reading week co-op. But I ended up in a classroom in Flemington Park. And from that moment on, I knew I had found my vocation, which was teaching. And then I was hired at Newman, and my first semester schedule was was grade 9 and 10 science and grade 11 and 12 religion. We were teaching 7 out of 8 at that time and feeling a little overwhelmed. And I had this chance encounter with the chaplain at the time, Marilyn Grace, and she saw something in me and encouraged me to have lunch with her. And I guess the rest you can say is history. I requested a chaplaincy period the following year to work with her. And she was an incredible mentor to me. I owe a lot to her. And when she decided to go on a four or five sabbatical and ultimately made the decision to leave Newman, I found myself in this faith leadership role. And again, very anxious about that. But again, things just happen for a reason. And I found myself working with faith formation giants through our AQ courses and getting more and more involved in social justice issues through various organizations like Development and Peace. And here I am all these years later. And we are all better for it. Listeners, stay tuned. We will be back in just a moment after a short break. Trails of the Camino de Santiago have been around just shy of a thousand years, a testament to the spiritual journey of millions. Whether you prefer to drive, cycle, walk, or go by donkey, the Camino is a vast adventure full of natural beauty and medieval architecture spanning two stunning mountain ranges in north central Spain. The experience is said to be life-changing. Views of the Spanish countryside, regional culinary delights, local culture, it's all there. Holy shrines, stunning cathedrals, monasteries, and rural churches, they all give modern pilgrims a real sense of the original reasons for walking the Camino. Whatever the reason, the Camino is a reminder that life is about the journey. To find something new, to rediscover something lost, to remember, to forget, to open yourself up, to change. You participated in the Camino de Santiago, the spiritual pilgrimage in the northwest of Spain, 
one of the more well-known ones. And as you know, there are plenty of pilgrimages in the world, across all faiths. Author Christy Hall participated in the same Camino as you have done twice, saying that, and I quote, Walking the Camino de Santiago taught me the wonders of physical challenge, the wonders of spiritual freedom, and the wonders of baby powder. You may not want to comment on the last bit, but in terms of physical challenge and spiritual freedom, did you experience a sense akin to that on your journey? Well, when we say, you know, someone's going to be walking the Camino, it does seem like such a romantic notion that you're meeting with other pilgrims from around the world, you're sharing your faith, and you're enjoying the Spanish culture. But the bottom line is you are walking 800 kilometers over various terrains and at times in really harsh conditions. You're crossing the Pyrenees where the weather can be sunny one moment and snowing the next. Um, The Meseta, which can be compared to um, the prairies in Canada, is a long black stretch between Burgos and Lyon. And the sun is beating down on you because there isn't that much shade. Uh, the albergues, the pilgrim houses where you stay at, they can be cold or they can be dirty. They can be smelly. They can be without hot water. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I've done it twice and I would do it again. So I think what um, Christy Hall is sort of mentioning is that as a pilgrim, the pilgrim lifestyle is very desirable because you sort of really discover how simply you can live your life. Um, And there are so many lessons that I'm still unpacking from the Camino after all these years. But one that is definitely that I've learned to do is you have to slow down and go at your own pace, no matter what you do, because you start asking yourself what and who is truly important to you. Mm -hmm. What stresses can you try to eliminate from your life? And how much is your personal ego getting in the way from becoming your authentic self? Because on the Camino, you kind of realize you don't need many material things. It's the relationships you develop, the camaraderie of the Camino, the selflessness and generosity of others that I witnessed so many times. And the Camino, at the heart of it, it provides us with that opportunity, again, to have that encounter with God, especially through people and through the kindness of strangers. Um, There is that spiritual richness that pilgrim energy on the Camino that you really can't describe. It really has to be experienced. And just as our lives are considered to be a pilgrimage, we set out each day to face that unknown, the beautiful, the challenging, the the rewarding facets of our life journey. And uh, one of the things that the Camino definitely provides us with is that gift of time. It allows for reflection. There are days where you walk 20, 25 kilometers and it's the same scenery over and over again. So it gives you that time to to think, to pause, to pray, to learn more about yourself and carry those insights with you throughout your entire life. Um, I know the Camino for me personally has been a blessing and I will always remember um, one hospitalero saying that The difference between a pilgrim and a tourist is that a tourist demands, but a pilgrim always gives thanks. And I'm so grateful to have had this experience. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Bluff 416 or check us out on Facebook at The Bluff Podcast. Keeping alumni, current staff and students connected to life on the bluff.
Your experiences on the Camino seem truly life-changing. Let's say one of our listeners wanted to go on the Camino. How would they go about doing that? Well, you buy a plane ticket. No. Um, (laughs) I always say, don't do too much research on it. Sometimes it's better just to sort of go um, and just experience it. Uh, The Camino um, can be started from any place. And if you do meet pilgrims from Europe, some of them literally start from their front door. So they started walking from from Germany, from Austria, from the Netherlands. Um, But the most common place to start is Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, which is um, the southwestern part of France. I would join um, a Camino group, and Canada does have one, and there is a Toronto chapter. And there you can always talk to other pilgrims, hear their experiences, and they have meetings now. There are more Zoom meetings. And you get a sense of what um, to experience. One other thing is always pack light. Um, You are carrying everything on your back. You do not need many things, just like you sort of realize sometimes the baggage, the spiritual baggage, the emotional baggage that you have. Once you get rid of that baggage, you can go the distance. And it's the same with the Camino. You do not need to take a lot. Um, Christy Hall mentioned uh, baby powder. Um, I think a lot of people also use my secret ingredient was duct tape. Um, because duct tape can fix anything, even blisters. You can put duct tape on a blister and it works fine. Um, so you do not need to do this on uh, with a person. You can do this totally on your own. Um, there are guidebooks that you can have, but the path itself is very well marked with shells, the sign of a pilgrim, or with yellow arrows. Um, And I think that's part of the adventure and part of the journey is create your own Camino. Um, You will learn so much about yourself, about the world, about others. And I wouldn't do it um, any other way. I would truly just do it. And you can be in any um, physical shape. I would always say, you know, practice walking. Um, You know, don't just start. Because the first day is about 26 kilometers straight up the Pyrenees and then two kilometers straight down into the town of Roncesvalles. So it is challenging. It is physically challenging, but uh, it's so rewarding, so rewarding when you do finish it. So earlier in the episode, we were talking about your early days in chaplaincy and your journey towards faith leadership. Maybe you could let us in just a little bit into, you know, the very first days um, that you were at the school. I mean, because you don't live that close. Uh, Like many teachers at Newman, you come in from quite a ways. You make your own pilgrimage, if you will, to the school every morning. And there has to be a reason for that. Maybe you could speak a little bit about this. I thought this was going to be a a one semester gig. I mean, I still live in the West End. Getting to school was brutal. I didn't have a car. I couldn't find the place because it had a Kingston Road address. So I was like, you know, uh, Scarborough Missions, St. Teresa Shrine, and the seminary. Where is Newman? I was late for my interview. It was unbelievable. Uh, And then they said, 
yeah, you can still have the job. I'm like, really? After all this, I'm late, I'm sweaty, I'm hot, I'm tired. <laughs> um, and I got the job anyway. And I thought, okay, I'll do it for the experience. I'll do this one semester contract. And that was 1998. So there is something special about, uh, about Newman. And I always remember Marco Moroni saying, because when I learned he was coming in from Bolton, I said, how do you do it? And I remember this is the first few weeks when we were when we were at Newman. He said, I'd rather have a long commute and enjoy the time in between than to have a short commute and be miserable at my workplace. Mm -hmm. And that always stuck with me. You know, it's worth the drive to Newman. People are practical. Yeah. There needs to be a reason for them to drive all this way. There needs to be some kind of pull factor. Absolutely. What is it about our school that keeps these people coming in every day? I mean, because there are other schools that they could teach at that are likely much closer. What do you reckon is the reason? I think what's amazing is that we all help each other. If there's something that needs to be done, if there is a vision that someone has, we all get into it. You know, if it's the Christmas concert, if it's a drama or if it's sports, if it's to raise money to make uh, to build a new gym floor. We get into it. We just support each other that way because, you know, that's what Newman is. I remember um, that was one of the words that always kept popping up was the idea of community. Like Newman is a community. And it is so true. Like, and everyone wants that sense of belonging. Everyone wants to feel like they are connected to another person, another human being. And I think Newman provides that opportunity. So we like to sort of instill that with our students. Mm -hmm. And it has been hard for the past two years to sort of have the grade nines and the current grade tens sort of really have that sense. Uh, but we've restarted retreats this year. And I'm getting some wonderful feedback from teachers saying that students really appreciated just having that opportunity to share space together, to have conversations with each other. And I think that's what we need to really continue on is to sort of say that, yes, we are in it together. We are a community and you know, we like to sort of help you on this journey um, of faith or of school. It doesn't take long for people to realize if they're new to our community um, that what we have might be different than other schools, but it works. Um, and we look out for each other. Yeah, I know. I figured it out rather quickly. Uh, I liked it so much. Uh, you never left. I never left. I think I've been in high school going on 26 years. So, And that's what's amazing is that that's a true testament to how good a school is when students come back either as teachers mm -hmm. or they send their own children to the school. Few schools have a similar phenomenon. They trust the staff enough to say, yes, I want my children to have that same experience as I did when I was here. And that journey comes full circle. We have reached the end of our journey together today. I just wanted to thank you for being a guest on our show. So thank you very much for being here today. Well, I want to thank you, Joe, for giving me this opportunity to uh, share my Canadian experience. And hopefully our listeners have learned a little bit more about what you do in chaplaincy and a little bit about um, the idea of the pilgrimage and the journey. I love sharing the stories. And I hope that this has sparked maybe an interest in, in people to perhaps walk the Camino Francais in the future. And having listened to this episode, they know exactly how to get started on that. Most of us have had a chance to slow life down and enjoy the present, to be present, 
in our own lives. And on that journey, we may just discover something new about life, our understanding of love, of ourselves, to get out there and breathe the air, to see. We are all walking on our own pilgrimage. Whether the destination is known or not yet known, life itself is a Camino. So walk with purpose, walk with love, walk with wonder, walk your way. Thank you for tuning into The Bluff, and bye for now.